3: Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Ron and Anian, quick loops have their place, but if you're keeping it long term, there's no way. A quick lube as a permanent substitution for a mechanic works. It
1: just doesn't. Doing all right. A little driving on a
2: Saturday
1: night. The car doctor. As soon as I lift my foot off the gas,
3: um It goes away. Yes.
2: Yeah, so I haven't haven't gone into neutral. I haven't tried that yet. Front
3: wheel drive or all wheel drive? Uh uh front. Yeah, hello, hey, we're here. Let's uh, let's go right to the phones. They're very busy this hour. Let's uh, go over to John in Vestal, New York. Ninety Jeep Wrangler, John. I'm all yours. Ron and Annie in the car. Doctor at your service, sir. How can I help?
4: Yes, like I said, uh, I put the transmission because it, it was bad. But anyway, now the clutch attached to a little cylinder that you put brake fluid in it. Right. And the brake fluid seems to be. It was empty. There's only one. Um, Tube going into the uh, cylinder, and you know, and, and then the attached to the uh, clutch pedal, back and forth. I I can't seem to find any. any, any. I got to order a new uh, piston cylinder to replace it. We we, we think that, that it could be where it's leaking from. I can't seem to find anywhere where
3: it's going. So to. so what's what? Let's let's back up a second, John, because you're a little ahead of all this. Um, what what's the issue here? You're, you you you've got a ninety Wrangler four cylinder or six cylinder?
4: It's four cylinder. Four cylinder.
3: And you've got, you, you're adding you're adding fluid to the clutch master cylinder and it seems to disappear. Right. Yeah. Okay. And was it a case that you were driving this vehicle and then one day you pushed the clutch and it went to the floor and didn't come up? The pedal didn't come up? Well,
4: no, the pedal is real loose when, when that happens. It, it, it happens like once a month, a couple of months like that, it'll, it'll do that.
3: Right. What, where the fluid just disappears?
4: Yeah, there's no fluid in the cylinder.
3: Okay. So it's only leaking one of two places. It, you know, it would not be uncommon for it to be leaking out the back of the clutch master. Have you seen any of it running down inside the car by your feet because that seal butts up against the firewall? And you know, it's, oh, it'll
4: okay. no, I haven't.
3: Okay, it'll 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 fail, and it'll if this. I doubt that this is well. A Jeep would have carpet, but it probably has a rubber mat, a rubber floor mat. Jeep.
4: Uh, yeah, you got rubber right.
3: Yeah, let's pull the, let's pull the rubber mat up. Is there any brake fluid underneath there? All right. Uh, because if it's a rubber mat, you'll never know that it's there because the carpet always right. let it soak through. And if, it's, if the back of the master, you can look at the back of the master if you stuff your head under the dashboard. When you get that pain in the back between your shoulder blades, that's the seat track hurting you. Um, you're in the right spot. you look up. You'll see the clutch master. And um, if it's dry, then the only other place it can be going is down at the slave cylinder where it pushes against the clutch fork. Does it look like there's brake fluid running out the bottom of the bell housing? And the confusion here will be that this is now a 35-year-old vehicle that, you know, if it has oil leaks, you'll never notice the additional wetness from the brake fluid that's leaking out of right. the slave cylinder at the clutch, at, at, at the clutch fork. So it's you know it's it's one of two places. I don't think I'm trying to remember 90. There was a version of this Jeep where the slave was inside the bell housing. The line went into the side of the bell housing, and the slave was inside, so you couldn't see it. Yeah,
4: the, yeah, it has the slave went inside, but yeah, that was replaced too because that put it came with the uh, transmission I replaced. Okay, so the slave has been replaced. So all right, I, 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 I left at the master one, and I, I I ordered the master one already, so I'm
3: right. So in other words, you had this you had this problem, and you you just pulled the trans, put a clutch in it, put a slave in it, and you've still got the issue, is what you're saying, right? Okay. Well, just remember this. You know, you know what new stands for. If you're a regular listener here, new means never ever works. So don't assume the new slave is working. Right. Uh, you know, right. it's it's what what you could do is if you find that the master is not leaking that the master's dry. Yeah, don't be afraid unbolt the master off the firewall. Is there any signs of fluid back there? And the other thing that you'll see okay. is if the if the fluid if the fluid's been leaking out of the clutch master, brake fluid is very caustic. It will have caused the paint to blister. It'll it'll remove the paint off the firewall. So, if you see oh, signs okay. of paint removal then that master's been leaking, uh, you know. Now, that's not to say that, you know, you had a leaking master, you'll put a new one on. And then the new slave isn't leaking either, so this is a process of elimination, one step at a time. Don't be afraid one, to one okay. Yeah, it's it's those are the only two places. There's no magic or mystery here. Uh, you know, but don't be afraid to wipe off the bottom of the trans bell housing and you know, does it continue to drip? Does it continue to drip even without running the engine? If you're not running the engine, chances are and, and you see something still dripping out, chances are that's brake fluid because the only thing that can leak back there is the rear main seal of the engine, and if it, the engine's not running, you're really not gonna get any volume because all the oil's down in the pan, right? Right. So, um, you know, don't okay. let it don't Thanks, let it Ryan. don't let it All rattle, right. you kiddo. You're on the right track. Always have confidence in what you're doing. I have faith in you. All right? Okay. Thanks, Ron. You're very welcome. Good luck. Let's get on over and talk to Jeremy, 13 Silverado, and some uh, questions here. Jeremy, good to talk to you again. What's going on?
5: Hey, Ron. I think uh pretty much checked everywhere else under the uh, hood, and I think I have a uh leak from the bottom of my water pump. Okay. Um, you know, I've got an occasional it, – it only seems to happen after it's really been running warm or, you know, under a lot of pressure. But anyway, I uh, bought the OEM water pump to put on, and it comes with a gasket and the whole nine yards. I've read a couple places online that they recommend using a Felpro instead of the OEM, and I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that. It's like I hate to have a perfectly good OEM gasket and not use it, this is just the based on speculation.
3: Yeah, this is the orange O-ring style gasket, right with the hard shim. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, Felpro used to be the king. They really mm-hmm. were. They were the. They were flat out the best back in the day. And uh, you know, I don't want to blame Carl Icon, Icon, I whatever his name is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he 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 bought the company, and I have seen the quality of some of the Felpro stuff just go downhill. Um, I I can't say that it's consistent across the board, but, uh, you know, I shouldn't even say Felpro. It just seems like some of the brands that are housed under that empire don't seem to be what they once were. But, you know, the way I would end this, the way I would end and answer the question is I'm fine with either one. I don't think one is better than the other unless you show me direct proof of, hey, we've had, you know, 200 cases of this particular gasket causing a leak. I, I think the key... In your situation, is it's a nine-year-old vehicle? When you pull that pump off, how does the plate that it sits against look? Is it is it is it pitted? Does it have corrosion on it? And if it does, in that case, then neither gasket's going to work. You're going to have to really clean it up good and try and polish it smooth. But then you run the risk of, of gouging and creating seeps. So, so what
5: should, hey, what what uh, what what uh, material should I use for kind of cleaning that up if it does look like
3: that? You don't want to use anything hard. You know, It's okay. it's. you don't want to use the Scotch-Lock discs. 3M at one point made a, it looked like little, they were the little green or yellow Rolock pads, but they had like little rubber eraser fingers on the tip. Um, mm-hmm. It was a real soft uh, material that would just polish it and clean it up. You know, you would need an air tool or at this point some kind of cordless grinder tool. Um, mm-hmm. Not a lot of pressure. Now, you know, it depends on if this is the original pump from the factory. Original pump from the factory, if there's no corrosion, the pump will come down, and there should not be any sealer there. Yeah, that
5: is the original one.
3: All right, so you may not find any sealer. Now, truth be told, you know, Ron always has his rules, but then there's always that exception to the rule. You know, (laughs) one of the rules I have is I never use RTV where a rubber O-ring meets a metal pan. And then I, mm-hmm. then I run across a water pump housing that's corroded and, you know, I'd have to take the block out and have it machined. So guess what? I clean it up as smooth as I can and polish it as most as I can and, and try to be as unobtrusive as I can and the least damaging as I can. And I will take a thin schmear, schmear being a technical term, of mm-hmm. RTV and just try to fill the craters, all right? and pop the and then pump on and you'll
5: still use the gasket
3: correct and i'll still use the gasket absolutely okay all right okay. Abs- absolutely now the best the best rtv in my opinion is from permatex the right stuff Okay. the right stuff really is the right stuff it really works well uh, i've had gr- i've had great success but you don't want to you don't want to put a, a lot of it on there it's and i'm not saying you're going to have to but,
5: just enough to bring it kind of up to a level. I yeah, like, just you there, know,
3: so just a just a thin skim coat of spackle, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's
5: only on the block side, right? I wouldn't put it on the pump. No,
3: nah, shouldn't need it on the pump side because okay. the the the, the O ring should have a smooth, clean surface to seal against. And that's if the block okay. is that's if the block is corroded. Now you may pull it mm-hmm. down if you really have a leak out of the gasket. Mm-hmm. Then you've got a real severe case of corrosion and it might be a little bit different. So maybe when you take the pump down, take a picture of it, shoot me a picture, email me a picture of it. Uh, you've got my email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. Well, let me tell you this I'm not sure if there. it's leaking from the gasket
5: or not. It right. might just be
3: from the pump. Right, so it might just be from the maybe pump. I'll get Abs- right, absolutely. So, all right, kiddo. Thanks, man. Appreciate You're welcome. It. Be well. Be well. Be safe. 855 560 9900. Ron and Andy and the car doctor at your service. Coming back right after this.
6: Whether it's a Little Red Corvette or a Hugo, you've come to the right place to get that car fixed. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron.
3: Hey, let's get over and talk to Charles in Virginia. Charles, what's going on? Ron and Annie, and at your service.
6: Hey, Ron.
7: Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome, sir. I have a question on old type uh, character coils. Okay. It goes on... I have some that says battery and then distributor, and I have some that's just plus and minus. Now, which one on those goes to the battery, and which one goes to the distributor?
3: Well, battery would be positive, and distributor would We'd be negative.
7: Be, the battery would be positive. Correct. Okay. Is that uh, so? That would be the same on uh, positive. Crayon or negative crayon, right? Well, now Some of the uh, older tractors are positive crayon.
3: Right. Now you've got me. All right? (laughs) All right? So now now I believe it's going to be backwards because the coil has to... uh, A reversed coil, you know, back in the day when a coil was connected backwards, it would fire, but the scope pattern would be upside down. Okay. And I never, you know, I never actually played with a tractor that was a positive ground with a scope to see would it matter if I flipped it um, in terms of if I put a negative coil in a positive ground vehicle and reverse the way it was hooked up. I never got that far in my career. Uh, y- you know, what are you what are you trying to do? Find a replacement coil?
7: I have some replacement coils uh, that I've picked up along the from different places. But uh, I was wondering which how I should uh, mount them when the, Well, what is what, know, what's what's should...
3: what's in the tractor right now, Charles? What's you know what's in the tractor now, and how does it how is it mounted? Do you have a, do you have a coil that says positive, negative, or battery distributor?
7: I I have uh, I have some that says uh, battery distributor, and then I have uh, some that's says plus and minus.
3: Right, but what's in the, the what's in the tractor now?
7: Uh, well, I have about six tractors, so I don't know which one I was. Uh, on the when it's been converted to twelve volt instead of six volt on the old tractors is what I was concerned about. Whether it made a difference on.
3: Well, the other thing is uh, to know whether I've, you've got a twelve or a six volt system.
7: Yeah, and yeah I got some.
3: That's I a got whole got other can of worms. Volts. I got
7: some twelve volts.
3: Right. You know, because obviously you want to put. We want to put now. Now, I remember back in the day, there was conversation where we were putting twelve volt coils in six volt systems, and they were getting hotter sparks. But then it was causing damage to the system along the way because it wasn't rated for it. So, you know, I I think what I would want to do is probably go like for like, kind for kind. If I'm taking a positive negative coil out rated for that system. I would probably want to put one back in unless I could find somewhere along the way that the specs tell me that it's just a different labeling process and positive is positive and negative is negative and it doesn't really matter. Okay. Does that make okay. sense?
7: And is there a way to, is there a way to test the Coal it's to uh, tell whether it's 6 or 12 volt?
3: That I, no. I, I don't know. I've never done that. I don't know that I've ever had to do that. Um, okay. I imagine we could look at the resistance windings of the primary. And you know maybe a six volt coil has a different primary resistance value than a 12 volt coil. I've never really thought about it that much.
7: Yeah most, most of them have a mark. I uh, have a couple that don't have a marking on it, rather six or twelve but right. I was just uh, had, a, had a question.
3: I that. do know I okay. do know they were very specific about you know how they were assembled and identified because they always wanted a six with a six and a 12 with a 12. So mm-hmm. yeah. um hey look at look at it this way you've got a little science project for yourself this weekend. So There you go. <laughs> you know. So All right, I appreciate okay. I appreciate the call, Charles. Thank you. Uh, okay, thank you, Ron. You're very welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. Let's go over to Bill in Virginia Oh, three Cavalier and uh, see what's going on here. Bill, welcome to the car doctor. Sir, how can I help?
6: Ron, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh the short story is uh, my wife started up this uh, Chevy Cavalier got about a block from the house and it just died on her and okay. she said the a lot of lights came up on the dashboard uh she turned the key off tried to restart and it did she brought it back and parked it in the driveway um i have gone out and restarted it several times myself and it's acting just fine um so and I put an ODB2 scanner on it, and there's no codes in it. Right. So um, I'm suspicious of maybe uh, uh, the uh, ignition switch, or but I wanted to get your advice on what else I should be looking for. Well,
3: so when it died, does she does she recall? Because everybody kind of panics, understandably, when the car dies. Did it did it sort of stutter to a stop and and cough and wheeze, or did it die clean like somebody turned the key? It.
6: Uh, My understanding is it died like somebody turned the key, and that's the other thing I did do uh, on some of my little test rides was I started turning the key back towards off as I was driving it. And it did die, and all the lights came on like I think she was trying to describe to me. So that's another reason that I'm suspicious of that ignition key.
3: And it could be, you know, listen, it's 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 likely one of two things. It's likely, well, one of three, ignition, um, a fuel pump issue, could be fuel, all right? Or you know, a fuel feed. you know maybe we don't, maybe the relays got an issue. I mean, it could be a lot of things on a twenty year old vehicle. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know or you know we could jump right to the heart of it. This is a four cylinder with distributorless ignition, right? Uh, the crank sensor's mounted under the ignition coil on this, if I recall correctly, 20 years uh, ago. I
8: don't
6: I don't know that, Ron.
3: Okay. Um, they had they had module issues, they had crank sensor issues and you know, we're getting in deep. So before we jump the gun, what I would tell you is I would find the wiring for the ignition switch. I'd get myself a wiring diagram. All right? Yeah. And I would look at it, and you're going to find either one or two voltage feeds into the switch. And then you're going to find a voltage feed out of the switch. The voltage Mm -hmm. feed is going to come in from either the main junction box under the hood, the battery or the alternator, the charging system, however it ties in. And the feed out is going to energize the rest of the vehicle such that, Mm -hmm. in other words, if you were to cut that wire, and I'm not saying cut that wire, but if you were to cut that wire... You would lose all power into the vehicle. It's sort of like taking the wine right. off the pole at your house, right? You'd have power right. up to the pole, but you'd have nothing coming into the house. What I would right. do is I would not cut the wires, but I would, I would just gently peel back a little bit of insulation on the line in and the line out. I would wire in mm-hmm. a 194 bulb, all right, that lights up, and I'd put a colored bulb in one side and a white bulb on the other. Take the car for a ride. The next time it dies, which bulb has power, which bulb doesn't have power. If both bulbs have power, or you see one bulb flickering and the other not, then at least you've got no, you've got either an issue with feed or the ignition switch itself, and that kind of eliminates the guessing. Don't guess. It's 20 years old. let do a little diagnosis. Ron and Amy, The Car Doctor. I'm coming back right after this. Don't go away.
0: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul. Some 41, 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door Cinema Club.
3: That's sort of how I feel with the weather here in the Northeast today. We went from 60 to 70 degrees in the middle of the week, and now it's snowing and raining. So, uh, you know, I'm waiting for spring to show up. and. Uh, you know hopefully it comes soon um and, and you know with spring i just want to bring this up because we should start thinking about it you know with spring it's time to think about some vehicle maintenance you know filters air filter cabin filters cabin filters are it's time folks you know what our, our vehicles have been sitting because we're, we're we've been not driving nearly as much and now we're going to start driving them again cabin air filters are going to be a key thing and it's something to think about spring cleaning spring filters right? You want to make sure that you're doing that. Um, and I can see by the emails. Kathy from Houston, Texas writes in with her 12 Honda Accord. Ron, I'm very sensitive to smells. I've got issues medically and otherwise that I'm always concerned about what's coming inside the car as far as what I'm breathing. Can you recommend or show me some possibilities for cabin filters that might help improve the stability of air inside my vehicle? Kathy, Houston, Texas. Uh, you know, Kathy, it's it's, yeah, there are choices. There are different brands and different levels of cabin filter out there. Company by the name of EcoGuard. You can go out to ecoguard.com and look it up. Um, they make a line of filter that is specific to and uh, you know it 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 involves their um uh, their smart smell. Um, I believe it is or fresh sense. I'm sorry, smart smell, fresh sense uh, fil- line of filters. They've uh, designed that specifically, fresh sense to uh, help improve you know, or lower the sensor issues with smells inside the vehicle cabin. You can find more information about it at ecoguard.com. So, uh, you know, glad to see that you're um, trying to do your thing down there. Cabin filters are a very important part of the maintenance puzzle, uh, especially here in the east. Uh, well, around the country, really, but, um, you know, I get it down there, Houston way, too. So ecoguard.com. Let's get over to uh, Kevin in Florida. Some questions on lithium-ion batteries. Kevin, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. How can I help?
8: Hey, Ryan. Great to listen to you. I love your show. Uh, Thank you. I've been a listener for a long time. Thank you. I appreciate and that. I'm taking a boat out of storage, and uh, the marine battery I have in there now is it's a few years old. You know, they don't last forever. Right. And I'm looking into repower, and I'm, I'm looking into the, the lithium-ion battery, and I'm just if, knowing if you have any information on them, if they hold up good, or if they're susceptible to vibration in the boat or if you know anything about them at all
3: well you know i I, i'm not going to tell you i'm a lithium-ion expert kevin i'm not going to lie to you i don't lie to you guys all right um i think if i was looking at a at a boat application though you know obviously you're running marine application batteries or you're not uh
8: no mostly just starting power
3: okay so you know well, but I'm saying you know my understanding of boats is it's it's going to be a marine application battery because it has to deal with the environment. Are, are you running right, con- deep are,
8: cycle? Yes.
3: You're a right, yes. deep cycle, and are you running conventional automotive batteries, but a deep cycle? Or are you running marine batteries, but a deep cycle?
8: No, I run a marine battery deep cycle now.
3: Okay, you know what I would be curious of, and I didn't think of it until your question just came up. But I wonder, you know, instead of running a lead-acid deep-cycle battery, if there's an AGM in your, in your future. And I'm wondering if an AGM battery is where you want to go. All right? That, only, that's only,
8: also another possibility, yep.
3: Only because a lithium-ion would likely require a change in the way that battery gets charged, which means now you get to change the charging system on the boat. So, <laughs> um, mm, you know, not, okay. not, not something you would want to do. From my, my seat here. All right. Um, I can send you to the website go to autobatteries.com. Autobatteries.com talks about AGMs and see if you can find a, you know, see if you can find an AGM that'll fit your boat. If not, go to go look to Optimum. Just search Optimum batteries out online and I know they make a marine yep. battery application and when it comes to hot rods and vehicles that sit, boats sit, they're just vehicles in the water uh, you know when they they'll they'll sit a lot that the optimum batteries tend to hold their charge and uh, you know we've we've seen and heard the reports where an, uh, an optimum battery will last five to seven years and you know that's pretty outstanding you pay a little bit more but you seem like you get a lot more so I think uh, an optimum and an AGM uh, would really be the way to go I think lithium ion I think you're a little too far ahead of the edge you're trying to be too cutting edge so but I understand
8: yeah see I I thought the lithium ion was just a direct bolt, and I did had to alter the charging system.
3: Well, um, and so Kevin, then- Kevin, don't you know? Listen, it's going to take some research. I I would want to know that. Now, my concern about a lithium ion beyond do you have to modify the charging system, and maybe you don't, is with the issues of fires that lithium ions will generate. Do I want to? Mm-hmm. Do I want to be the experiment? you know i right. i I, I, I kind of want to know you know it's funny I was in Pittsburgh last weekend and we went to the bicycle museum if you ever go to Pittsburgh, it's really kind it's a neat town and we went to the bike museum the bike exchange and this guy had to have he's got to have ten thousand bicycles in this place and why am I telling you about bicycles uh you know about this because I've got a reason because it relates to your question and really am I on bad race he had yeah he had Leia kokas lithium ion bicycle an electric bicycle from i think 30 years ago and i've got you know i took a picture of it and i I haven't i haven't posted it yet i'm gonna put it up on the car doctor facebook page in the next day or two there's a sign on it that says lee iacocca's lithium ion electric bike um known to produce known to catch fire and burn down the entire garage so it was kept out of production. I was like, "Wow, look at that! They had lithium-ion battery problems 30 years ago, and uh, it still continues to this day." So I said, "Yeah, okay, now I understand." So I don't know. You know, it's listen if you want to be the science project, but I think there's probably cheaper, easier solutions than trying to experiment. I think uh, lithium ions got their place. You know, electric vehicles. Uh, you know, and e- emerging technology like that, but I think to jump that unless somebody's got a conversion kit, I don't know that I want to be the guy to try right. and you know re-engineer it. So, all right, right, all right. Thanks a lot, Ryan. You're I'm very welcome, your show, sir. And look forward to listening. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that, Kevin. You be Thank well. You will be well. Let's uh, let's pull over, take a pause. I'm Ron in the car doctor. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. We'll return right after this.
0: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul. Some 41, 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door Cinema Club.
3: Welcome back. Ron Nane, the, the Car Doctor. Let's go over to Mike in Delaware, 03 Monte Carlo. Mike, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
9: Hey, how you doing, Ron? Good, Hey, I got a question. Go ahead. Um, the, the Monte Carlo has um, been sitting for about a, maybe a year, year and a half. Okay. What's the? I know the process. Checked the oil in the water because before you know, I offer It's my mother's uh, neighbor, and she says she parked in, in the backyard and left it there. You know, but it's covered up. I'm, and I just want to know. You know, I like it started before because it's kind of hard work to Get a trailer in there yeah. to pull it out.
3: Pretty pretty but, um, pretty rare car to uh, so it's yeah it's right a, it's a shame right. yeah two, a jeff gordon two
9: town three monte carlo she said they told my mother it's a jeff gordon edition it's, yeah. the, it's the blue
3: yeah yeah blue they, and, and that's all they were they were all blue and silver it's got 24 stitched in the seats it's it's a nice piece oh okay yeah okay. It's, it's, now, it's, now, i was it's,
9: supposed to go look at it last sunday but she wasn't home yeah. but the question is what i mean would i go and get a couple gallons of high test fuel and dump in it and then well put enough battery you know, in it the, the, the,
3: the problem the problem Mike is that you know if if, if it's been sitting a year or longer yeah. uh-huh. by now the fuel that's in there is is garbage all right right oh, know, okay so okay. if you start it if you dump more fuel in and start it you're going to run good fuel with bad and then what does that do to the rest of it Right, um, right, because
9: it's fuel-injected that year, right? Here, right, yep, yeah. yep. So yeah. what I yeah, would do is injected.
3: I'd figure out how to tow it out of there. And then, uh-huh. and then when you get it to a place where you can, you know, look at it, you know, how do you know there's not animals right. living in it? How do you know something hasn't chewed up a wiring harness? I mean, you've what, gotta, what, you have got to... But that
9: was the next question: is right? How do I know if mice hadn't chewed up the, uh, you know, under the dash? Do you kind of like put the battery on, turn the ignition, and see if anything flashes? Yeah. Well,
3: I listen. I you know we don't want to <laughs> we, we don't want to play science project. I think we want to try and look around and <laughs> yeah. you know we want to we want to sort of look and uh, you know it's a perfect car. You know, I want to get it up in the air. I want to. Look around. Do I see signs of animals? Do I see signs of harnesses being chewed on? I'd want to look in all the wheel wells and the wheelhouses. And right. then, you know, I would want to disable the ignition. That should be a, obviously a distributorless ignition car. There'll be an, uh-huh. a, an ignition module somewhere. I would unplug it. I would turn the key on. Do the dash lights come up? Obviously, you're putting a battery in it or at least charging this one. Put a battery right. in it. And, you know, that should have a gauge being as out as a Jeff Gordon edition. The gauge will read uh-huh. zero. If you crank it and disable the ignition, crank it, you should see oil pressure start to build. Once you see oil pressure, then I'd stop. Then I'd plug the ignition back in. But I wouldn't do any of this. You know, and obviously, you know, how dirty is the oil? All right. You want to start it on dirty right. oil? Uh, at at right. this point, I don't think it's going to matter. I, I wouldn't I, I don't think I'd change the oil until I heard it run. All right. Right. Uh, You know, unless it's got yellow paste in it, unless it's got water in the crankcase, if which case if it's got water in the crankcase, then depending upon the severity, you may want to pull the engine apart. You know, how how deep do you want to get on the gamble of, of, you know, because everybody says it's only been sitting a year. All right. And, you know, (laughs) there's a there's an Eisenhower for president bumper sticker on the back of it. (laughs) Well, you know, I guess that's a little longer than uh, a year. right? Right. Uh, Right. You know, and then at that point, once you get to this stage, and all the fuel's that been pulled out of the tank, you know, then you want to put fresh fuel in it, whatever's in the injectors. If there's anything left, it'll kind of push its way through. I would also keep an eye on, you know, if you can get an eye on the injectors, and I would, I think this is the 3800 with the plastic cover on top of the plenum. I'd be looking underneath because that's where the animals are going to be, is it looks like there's signs of a nest there. Uh, you know, oh, okay. I, I'd be okay. looking for, you know, do I have any injectors that are leaking or seeping? because uh-huh. you know it's funny once the rubber o-rings dry out that seal the injectors then all of a sudden they'll start to you know they may they may swell up and seal again they may sweat uh-huh. they may start to right. seep so you know it's those kinds of things and then yeah. Yeah. and then when you finally get it started then you're going to change every fluid in the car. If it's wet, uh-huh. it gets replaced. All right. It's not even a conversation right. of do I think I should change this or change that. If it's wet, you're uh-huh. going to replace it. You're going to look at the right. brakes. The brakes are probably rusted up. All right. Uh-huh. You're, you're going to go through all four wheels. You're going to go through hydraulics, do what you have to do. And, you know, if. It depends on what kind of shape it's in. It could be a real nice. Yeah, car. that's
9: what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It, it I wish be. it was a '72 because that's what I had back in my younger years. Yeah. <laughs> a '72 well, gold Monte Carlo. <laughs> yeah,
3: I know where there's. Yeah. A, I know where there's a '72 gold Monte Carlo, but you can't have it. So. Oh, okay.
9: Um, you you got one, didn't yeah,
3: you? I got one. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, I and listen, I love telling that story. I woke up one day. I said, I want the car I had in college. What? I I jumped on Craigslist. I typed in '72 Monte Carlo, and I found it down in Texas. I mean, it was just like yeah. that. It was just. Yeah, a I remember
9: state. one of the shows you said something yeah. about last year or something. Yeah. I said, damn, it was just, Ron it was... sounds like me, because I had a 55, too. And yeah. Then there I, I go. got married, had kids, and, well, yeah. God bless her, my wife just passed away um, not long ago. But
3: I'm sorry, bro. You know. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, bro. Uh-huh. Um,
9: um, got a question, Ron. Sure. How far are you from your shop? I would love to meet you in person. Your shop from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Three hours. Is Oh, oh, okay, you're way up there in New oh, Jersey. Yeah. yeah, they hide yeah, okay.
3: me. you know I'm the face made for radio. They don't let me out in public. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, they only recently really? they only recently put me on TV this past week. NBC yeah. New York came a knocking, and uh, uh, we did oh, a li- okay. we, d- we did a little okay. thing for NBC New York Channel Four. So, uh, um, but you know, listen. I I right. I want to say this before you go, Mike. That I'm sorry to hear of your loss, and I understand. Uh-huh. I would I would uh, okay. I appreciate you. Know, it, you you yeah. keep you keep okay. the faith, brother. And you go, you find yourself a hot rod, and it doesn't substitute for the yeah, ones we love, but I'm it's a, I'm Yeah, that's I in that
9: middle age crisis now. Yeah. I'm like, damn, I'd love to have the cars I had back when I was seventeen, eighteen. You can find yeah. them; they're
3: out there. Yeah, you know, right? They're right. out there. But uh, be careful right. what you're doing here. Make sure what you're getting involved with. And uh, you know yeah, pro- pro- right. probably well, I'm just
9: gonna ask her if I can pull it out and take it to, you know right. into my house and check it over and then you know you know, if she wants you
3: know does she want to sell it whatever. that's the first question now, right you know, you want to ask right uh yeah i hate when
9: open well i'm getting old myself but when they yeah i'm driving in the back and didn't feel like driving what is yeah. that stuff
3: right you know, doesn't work so yeah. hey mike i gotta run right. you be well okay brother. Ron. All right? thanks a lot buddy. Take good care bye-bye i'm ron and Annie in the car doctor we're back right after this Welcome back, Ryan and the Car Doctor. Let's get over to David in Virginia. David, welcome aboard, sir. How can I help you in my couple hey. of three minutes to go?
10: Good afternoon. How you doing?
3: Good, sir. What's up?
10: Hey, so I've got a 2014 Mustang. Uh, nothing special. Uh, just standard, basic packages all across the board. Okay. Uh, I got my windows tinted probably about well, three weeks ago, roughly now. Right. And I would say, I don't know, two or three days after I did that, Uh, The only way I could describe it is if you plug an aux cord into a phone or something and you hear that that static sound when you first plug it in, it's a really loud sound. I was hearing that popping randomly, um, whether it was the radio being on or off. It would just come across my speakers really loud at random intervals. And then maybe about seven, eight days after I got the tinting done, my radio just went dead. The radio, the clock, everything. And uh, about a week after that, it came back. And then half a day later, it went dead again. And then this morning, when I, or sorry, this afternoon, a few minutes ago, when I turned my car on, the radio came back and your show was on. So I figured I'd call and ask. And uh, I got out of the car and I turned it back on. And now I'm sitting here with a dead radio and dead clock again.
3: So, <laughs> so uh, I don't, any I don't, insight? yeah, I don't see a connection between the tinting windows and the radio. Um,
10: and that's, well, at first, I thought it might be a short because they had water down the door, but that doesn't really seem to make sense. I mean, the, they should be kind of water-resistant down there. You know, there's drains in the bottom of the door to allow the water to leak out. But, right,
3: and uh, there There's speakers in the door, but the radio control head isn't there. So, you know, I can't, I can't see that really affecting the radio itself. So the radio itself is dead.
10: I guess I wouldn't say dead, it comes and it goes.
3: Well well and but, but I mean when often, it's, it's when it's it, gone. When it's dead it doesn't work. Now is this a navigation? System? It does not
10: work. Cannot press the power. You know, I've tried resetting the battery or taking the, the negative lead off the battery for ten, fifteen minutes, you know, to hard reset everything. Okay. It does not affect it. Right so now I'm sitting here watching the clock flashing about every five seconds it flashes.
3: Cigarette lighter work? Does it have one? Uh
10: yeah. Yep. Okay, and uh, I've got the AC controls. They work, um, and they're on the same panel, which is right. Really odd. The AC so, controls work. So depending upon design. which,
3: well, depending upon which radio this is, David, there could be anywhere from two to four fuses that control that system. So it's going to be if it was a, a
10: fuse if it went. Well, would have well gone but, though. It can't well, keep coming back. Correct? No,
3: it can't keep coming back. But if the fuse was somehow corroded. I've seen, again, not related to the tint. Get the tint out of your head for the moment. But I've seen cases where some of these spade terminal fuses will corrode and burn and pit, and they will provide intermittent electrical connection. What I would tell you to do is go get a wiring diagram for your particular system, what matches whatever that vehicle has. Verify the fuses are good. Verify the spade terminals are all good, clean contacts. There's no issues in the fuse box. And then you're probably looking at a radio issue. You may want to measure power and ground to verify and go from there. Call me back if you need more. I'm running any in the car, doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.
2: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment.